Gua sobro. Ay. <laughs> There's not a rule that you have to use the three subs. He's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Third Sub Podcast, episode 194 of the show as we slowly creep towards that fun 200th episode milestone. At this rate, we'll probably hit sometime in the middle of middle of March, middle of April. Certainly we'll have a lot to talk about then when we hit that special number. But for now, Lots to dive into in episode 194. I'm your co-host Alexander Gangi Ruzik, joined as always by Sammy Rowan. And for the first time this season, in MLS play at least, you can cue the N'Golo Conte meme for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Ladies and gentlemen, ET's match day. Uh, well, not quite literally, but it's match week at least. Uh, after a bye week in open, uh, on the first weekend of MLS, a lot of great games. We'll actually dive into some of that later. Um, but the Whitecaps are back in action. They get to play Charlotte FC at home for the first time at home at BC Place, their first visit. The upper deck is open uh, for, I guess, the first time in regular season play for the Whitecaps. Uh, so it sounds like it should be a really good crowd. Hopefully it'll be an entertaining game. Lots to look forward to. So exciting times ahead in Whitecaps land, of course. You know, Pacific and Vancouver FC continue to inch towards the start of their seasons. Lots of movements starting to occur here on the West Coast. But before we dive into the Whitecaps this week, Sam, how's uh, how's it going? Hello, hello. Hope uh, everyone's doing well. Hope everyone enjoyed the first week of MLS action at large, albeit without the Vancouver Whitecaps. It was it was a lot of fun. So. Uh, as you mentioned, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in the back end. Get you, get you up to date if you missed it, uh, and just kind of rapid fire uh, succession there. But obviously, we're going to dive into Charlotte FC here. Try to get you ready for Saturday afternoon. Big shout out to the MLS schedule makers for once making these afternoon kickoffs a thing. Shout out to Axel Schuster for putting in the work, campaigning to get these start times. Uh, there's just something a little bit different about the afternoon kickoffs. Great for people to get into the city, uh, take in everything that the opening day is going to have to offer. Fantastic to see um, what, you know, looks like is going to be an incredibly well attended match. Uh, sometimes these, these East coast opponents, especially if they're buried midway through the season, it can be a bit tough. Cause you know, you just don't know that much about Charlotte FC. You're not, following it as closely as uh you might be some west coast rivals but uh this should be an entertaining one uh gonna be you know after the building blocks that were those matches against tigris what can the vancouver whitecaps do to open the 2024 season in mls play um man yeah it's match week looking forward to it yeah it's a it's a super exciting and god yeah it's, it just feels right to have an afternoon Whitecaps season opener, right? It felt weird last year heading to to BC Place at night for an RSL game with snow in that day. Funny enough, it actually might be snowing again here in Vancouver. It's supposed to snow tonight as of recording. We're recording on a Thursday. Um, of course, some of you might be listening on the Friday. Supposedly supposed to snow. Saturday supposed to snow. Sunday supposed to snow. So I don't know. Maybe this is becoming a bit of a tradition now. These these games they put in BC Place because of the roof in early, in late February, early March, uh, end up being uh, you know a lot snowier than they, they expect. Especially it's funny after the last week of like five ten degrees. All of a sudden, of course, just it's that false spring just to give you the the snow and the the whatnot. So that'll be a bit of fun. But at least the 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 fact that yes, it'll be you'll be going to the stadium. It'll be light outside. It will at least feel like a bit of a classic afternoon home opener. Just feels right. And you know what? It's kind of funny. I, I feel like this is the perfect kind of home opening game because it also it also only feels right if it's a random Eastern Conference opponent. Like remember when they played the Union one day in the one year in the opener, uh, and they've also played some other random teams. Or if it's one of the two Canadian teams. I, I just, it feels right. It, feel, it, it, it hasn't felt, you know, proper to play RSL in your opener, SKC. 
like some of those teams it just doesn't feel the same as oh yeah you're playing your opener of the season it's like the new york red bulls remember that 2014 like those were those are some of the good days so something a bit nostalgic about this matchup even though these two teams have never met at bc place i think that probably has something to do as well with the fact that those rsl and skc season openers didn't go particularly well and so they they stand out in the mind as uh maybe not being something you look forward to it to a repeat of but yeah this one's this one's interesting charlotte fc i would say overall alex i mean you don't want to don't want to use the MLS.com writers rankings too much to prognosticate what's going to happen during the season. But I think a consensus pick to miss the playoffs in the East uh, and certainly looking at the roster, there isn't a ton of massive star talent, but um, Dean Smith, you know, longtime English manager, Aston Villa, most recently caretaker manager at uh you know, my favored Leicester City as they unfortunately went down last season, but I don't think that was on Dean Smith. They had a, a strong showing on opening day, beating NYCFC 1-0 at home. The crowd was absolutely bonkers in Charlotte. Low-key, a, a tremendous venue, and they, and they just pack it out. And the, You know, all the, the TIFOs, the supporters, the, the fans in costumes – uh, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I think it's a, yeah, it's an underrated market in terms of like supporter culture in MLS and, and they have a very good home record um, over the last, you know, two seasons aggregate, I guess, if you're, if you're lumping in the first match of 2024. So they're coming off a high, but obviously it's a, it's a cross country road trip for them. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, I think a lot more home success than away success. So be interesting to see what the Whitecaps can do. I mean, I think it's fair to say that this is certainly less of an imposing roster than uh, than Tigris in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. But nonetheless, this has all the feeling of, I would say if it wasn't a home opener, this is like your prototypical banana peel match where you, you could sleepwalk into it and think that, oh, this is a weaker Eastern Conference opponent. The pressure is off a little bit. But because it's the home opener, because they're expecting a big crowd, um, I'm sure we'll get a, a solid performance from the Vancouver Whitecaps. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Alex, just, you know, early kind of base level thoughts about Charlotte FC, someone we don't see a lot, someone we don't focus a lot of our analytical attention on. But, uh, yeah, just just kicking it over to you, I guess, for your your thoughts on Charlotte. Yeah, I think first off, we have to coin this game, the El Pepas Echo. Because, um, you know, of course, the Whitecaps always playing pep-ass after their goals. Charlotte, last week, a video made the rounds on the internet of their fans. Just all, what was it, like 40,000 plus just dancing in the stands but to pep-ass. I think that's pretty cool. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll dub this one the pep-ass. Whoever wins gets to gets to blast pep-ass, uh, you know, and, and, and rub it in the face of the other team. But, no, this is huge because... Uh, it's a home opener, right? I think first off, you want to get the season off on a front foot. I think there's so many reasons why it's good for your MLS prognostications to get points on the board. It's good if you want to compete for a supporter shield. It's good for the fans. It's easy to rally up fans and get you know bigger crowds if you're winning games early on and show, oh, we're legit this year. We're going to win games. We're going to go about our business in that way. I think that it would be huge on, on many fronts to come out strong and against, yeah, Charlotte team. Charlotte's got some good pieces, no doubt. We were looking through their roster earlier. This is a team that last year, you know, they they, they kind of flirted um, with, with with being a, a solid to good team in the end. Um, they ended up just making the playoffs as a play-in team. Um, so, you know, that was certainly all encouraging signs for a team that we have to remember is still quite new. Of course, they fell heavily in those playoffs 5-2 to, to the New York um, Red Bulls. But this is a this is a team for for the Whitecaps. These are the kind of games you have to win, and I think this is what's most important is that they actually kind of struggle in home openers. The Whitecaps. I was just looking through it now. Uh, a bit of a fun fact: if you exclude 2021, which they won their home opener, I do the quotations against the Portland Timbers in Salt Lake, they've actually only won two home openers since 2014. They won the 2014 one against the Red Bulls. Uh, they drew the 2017 one against Philadelphia and they won in 2018 against CF Montreal. The impact at the time, they've lost every other home opener since then. 
They've also lost every other season opener since then. Home opener, season opener, important to, dis to distinguish. Most years, the season opener is the home opener, except 22 when they played the Columbus Crew, fun fact. Um, so yes, the Whitecaps typically struggle in these opening games, and it doesn't mean much. It's game one, but it also does mean you get those three points on the board, especially now that you're coming in week two. There's already some teams that are dropping points. You get a win early, you're going to have that, that game in hand. It's it's going to help you down the road to, to to get off to a good start. So I think that's important to note that there's actually not been a lot of times where they've come out flying in in, in game one. And I think this Charlotte team, this crowd, I think this would really set the set the tone on, on many fronts for the big performance. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and it's not just been the the home opener, right? It's been the the opening phase of the schedule in general for these Vancouver Whitecaps the last three or four years where it's been a little sluggish out of the gate, you know, kind of stacking up losses and draws and, and struggling to get three points. We talk about this, I feel like every season, but the the importance of maximizing your, your home performance. Obviously, Vancouver's been a pretty good home team, but the one thing that's maybe let them down is just that early season consistency. Um, it's those things that you feel like, oh, it's okay that we – you know, we only managed to get a draw out of this performance. In March, in April, it doesn't feel like it matters, but then you come back at the end of the season and you go, gosh, we could have used three, four points. Would have taken, say, for example, the Whitecaps last season could have been third or fourth in the West instead of sixth. Um, and, you know, ultimately, yes, you can make up pace late in the game, but I think coming out of the gates early, uh, is it has been a big emphasis for this squad this season, this off season, I should say. Something to note too. I mean, I don't want to make too much of a huge deal out of it because I don't think it's a big deal. But Michael D'Agostino on the touchline instead of Annie Sartini's. We haven't heard anything about um, a suspension update. Lots of MLS disciplinary stuff has come out, and they haven't touched the Annie Sartini suspension yet. Does that mean they're not going to? I would have thought it would have happened at this stage to start the season, but who knows how MLS makes their disciplinary decisions. So um, as I kind of said, I think on the last podcast or maybe the one before, I feel like the fact that Vanny's not going to be on the touchline will put guys like extra on dotting their I's and crossing their T's and making sure they're dialed in in terms of tactics. Uh, but that's a dynamic to watch out for as well. Well, that's it, right? It's uh, how they're going to, perform again we'll, we'll point continue to point to the fact that until it changes uh you know D'Agostini is one for one so hopefully he can uh emulate some of those matchups and uh hit some of those uh, those tangibles in this one but yeah it's again it's the importance of overcoming those factors again Sam Adekugbi uh you know a bit of an injury update uh we, we we can quickly dive into from the Whitecaps it sounds like he'll be out for a month right so that's you're missing a key player from the start very typical of the white caps over the last few years where we've had some some key guys uh you know you see you, we've seen a few key guys um miss time early on in seasons with either visa issues fitness issues injuries right that's the sort of stuff you need to overcome is if you want to be a good team that no matter who, who's out there that you're able to get points on the board early so it's important to note that you know sam Adekugbi will 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 be out for for a month and on that note it sounds like most players that have been battling the injury bug i think we, we talked about it last episode there's like six or seven there are a lot of positive updates on most ali ahmed was back in full training after his sports hernia which is huge because he's been on a very accelerated timeline from what it sounds like do not expect him to start because i know that i've seen that uh thrown about there it does not sound like the plan is to start him whatsoever but he should future it maybe in a you know five ten minutes off the bench, which is good. That's a big boost, and it sounds like pretty much all of the injured guys, like Pedro Vite, Brian White, uh, all those names that were battling tightness and whatnot, sounds like they're back. The only real doubt, other than Atakugbi, was Bjorn Inge Utvik. But of course, the new face, as we mentioned, no pressure for him to step in and be the guy right away with the back three kind of already set heading into the year. So. Uh, you know, it's tough to see someone like Inge Utvik injured because you'd love to see him get maybe five, 10 minutes off the bench if the situation allows to get you used to that MLS pace. But he's not someone where 
Uh, you're looking at this very, very moment. Like, you, you know, you'd rather have them have them deal with this knock now and then come back uh, up to full speed than maybe down the road. So at least that's the one uh, one good news that you're looking at this. For the most part, there's, uh, you know, the, 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 the bill of health is relatively clean, but Atta could be now confirmed to be out for at least, it sounds like, a month. That's a blow that you got to deal with and you got to get points on the board despite uh, missing someone like we mentioned in the last show is such a key p- could be such a key p- part of this team. Yeah, I think it's just the the blow compounds itself, given the fact that this is the greatest area of weakness or at least thinness in terms of depth within this squad. Right. Um, I mean, to me, I just think about um, in doing some of our season preview stuff, you know, what. What's the weakness of the squad? What could sink this team this season? And something that came to my mind immediately was asking Alessandro Schopf and Luis Martins to do more than they're capable of. That would be the kind of thing that could send this white cap season off the rails if it were to happen, right? And being without Adekubi for another month puts you closer to that kind of scenario. So it's not only the qualities that Sam provides, um, the, the the special element that he could bring to this team that we didn't even really see that last season because he wasn't at full pace. But then you're also dealing with the knock-on effect of, okay, if Ali Ahmed, it's great that he's so close and, and thankfully for the Whitecaps, Ahmed's so close to being able to return. But even with Ahmed back in the mix, uh, the depth is reasonably thin. I, I think, is it fair to say now, Alex, I mean, maybe not for Charlotte, but in the short term, we're expecting Ryan Raposo and Ali Ahmed to fill out those those wide spots for Vancouver. Yeah, it looks like I think projected, uh, you know, assuming uh, Ahmed within two to three games is able to get back to at least starting capacity. Yeah, you'd have to imagine it'll be Raposo on the left, Ahmed on the right, likely a midfield of Kubas, Vite, you know, front three of white gold to take your pick between Krylak, Pico, and then the back three set in stone. So I guess that is nice that there's that pretty seamless setup. And then I guess the question will just be when Atacubi comes in, who ends up dropping? Is it a Raposo or does Raposo end up fighting to keep his spot? And does, does maybe one of the front three drop out and like a Ahmed play higher up the pitch, for example, because I know that could also be considered, uh, you know, of course you can always throw Vite and all over the pitch. It seems like these days, um, and you maybe play Ahmed in the midfield. So definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there. But yeah, definitely looks like, uh, you know, put, like you mentioned, no Adekugbe just puts more pressure on Raposo step up. Ahmed, once he's fully fit, Javane Brown, Luis Martins, they're going to have to step up big. But like we mentioned, I'll be a big uh, question mark. There'll be something where they'll, they'll have to step up because that's the, the area where you're looking at that depth already being a bit stretched with everyone who's fit. And now, uh, you know, they get a chance to to test that early on. But yeah, I guess on the flip side, you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's something where for now it, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. It feels like, especially based on how things are going. Like I feel, I'd feel a bit more worried if they're really thin at center back at the moment, but still given how important wing backs are to this formation, it is definitely something to monitor, especially if, you know, some other guys start to pick up knocks and all of a sudden you're really starting to, go down the depth chart. Okay, so we can touch on the wingback position in terms of Saturday while also maybe touching on a little bit of Charlotte FC's play style because you look back at that match from NYCFC and they score an early goal on a set piece. They also earn themselves a penalty, although it is missed. They did out XG NYCFC 2.0 to 0.5, which is you know pretty dominant. However... At home, they only held 38% of possession. So it's a, we were saying before the show, it's a, a distinctive style of football, certainly. So my question, Alex, based off that is certainly if, if that's what Dean Smith was doing at home, you have to imagine it's going to be something similar on the road after some travel. Uh, doesn't seem like Charlotte's going to want to possess the ball too much. What does that do for the wingback position in terms of Saturday? I would think that's Luis Martinez's music. Someone, you know, if he's not going to put be put under pressure as much, if Charlotte's going to be content to sit back, maybe Vanny Sartini and co, they like his service, his confidence on the ball, what he can provide. And obviously he's played 
a good amount of minutes during the preseason at that spot. So that would be my thought in terms of where Vanny goes. But uh, yeah, curious for your thoughts. Yeah, look, I mean, if we're going to project the lineup, honestly, I'd probably do it pretty quickly now based on that. Like I'd say you'd put Takoka in goal, Laborda on the right, Veselinovic in the middle, Blackman on the left. And that back three, left wing back, Luis Martins, right back, or right wing back, Ryan Raposo. You go Vite Kubas with Vite back in. You go White Gold, and I think you go Krylak because you're going to probably be playing more of a low block. You want a bit more of that creativity, uh, you know, and another big, bigger body, you know, versus the pressing of Pico. So I think it's pretty straightforward because, yeah, for those kind of unfamiliar with Charlotte last week, uh, you know, they, they they beat New York City at home. New York City does not look like it's going to be a good year for them. It was not a good year for them last year. Uh, you know, it just feels yesterday they won the MLS Cup, but, man, that team got gutted. Um, you know, the likes of Ronnie Dyla, et cetera, all gone. So the Charlotte team played a 4-2-3-1. Uh, you know, that's it's Dean Smith, uh, you know, classic English manager, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2. Um, but it was interesting to see stylistically that, like, yeah, this Char- it, 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 it's hard. To, you can't call it just straight Brexit blocks. Again, Dean Smith's teams aren't usually like that. Like, there is an element of they're very methodical in their possession play. It's not so much let's just build up and go that way. It's okay. Knowing when to be direct. Uh, you know, one thing that stood out, they really like to funnel the ball wide and put crosses in the box. That's a huge note, both do, do in terms of the wing backs, like we mentioned, but also the white caps aerial struggles, which to be fair, we didn't see much of in, in against Tigress, but this was going to be a good test as well. You know, can they defend someone like an Enzo Capetti and some of the runs he likes to make in the box? Uh, Cause yeah, this is, it's such a first time we can dive into that. This is such a strangely constructed Charlotte team. Just genuinely, like there's no other way to put it. We're kind of going over it. It's a very MLS 2.0 team with some of the signings that Dean Smith and company have made. Gone are some of those, uh, you know, uh, some of the Polish guys they brought in, like, you know, Yazawak uh, ended up leaving. And you know, I think he's at Granada now. You got some other guys who have, who have, uh, who have left. And yeah, it's a mix of pretty much most guys who started last week. You're 31 or you're 22. Like there's just weird mix of just guys who are in their 30s. You got like Ashley Westwood, you know, the former Burnley midfielder. You got Scott Arfield, a Canadian shout, former Burnley and Rangers midfielder who's 34 off the bench. You got MLS vets like Junior Urso. Uh, you know, you, you got Alina in goal, a veteran. Capetti's 28. But then you got these young, interesting young players like Melenda, the center back, 22-year-old French Defender scores last week, the winning goal. Vargas, right winger, 22, missed the penalty, but, you know, it looked lively. Got Tavares as well, another 22-year-old uh, midfielder who's on the Cap Verde national team. Like, it's, it's such an intriguing team because you don't see that mix very often of ex- exclusive veterans that obviously Smith relies on and then all these in- interesting young players. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. It's the spine of of Wiley Vets with a a sprinkling on top of promising youngsters and wide players. They're also rumored to be targeting another dynamic wide player in Luciano Rodriguez from Uruguay. So you know they could just be adding to that mix. Um, yeah, I mean in terms of in terms of standouts from the squad, you mentioned Capetti up front. If they're whipping a bunch of crosses in. That's something to watch out for. Uh, you know, he was, I think it was something like six goals, four assists last season in MLS play. So, it was, you know, it was solid, if not spectacular, but certainly a danger man up front. Then, I mean, just kind of from reading the, the chat down in Charlotte, I think, you know, Kalina in, in goal is is very solid for the squad. That That's a position of strength, at least they feel like. And then, yeah, I think it's getting those youngsters in the wide areas, like they're going to have to take a jump. They're going to have to be impact contributors in the scenario where the Charlotte team makes the playoffs, makes some noise in the East. Those guys are going to have to, uh, you know, sort of prove their worth and uh, prove their promise. But uh, yeah, you're going to get a a pragmatic, a, a calculated approach. As you said, it's not just low block and then hoof it deep and run after it. Like Charlotte will play some, some intricate, build up they'll, they'll have some nice little notes in possession uh but they're going to be sensible about it they're probably not going to take too many risks on the road uh, it certainly could be one of those matches where 
it's nil nil one one um you know headed into the the late stages and who can find a breakthrough uh, that being said, you know, sometimes sometimes when we say that things break wide open. And certainly I think if you're the white caps, you're probably you're probably trying to expose, you know, the odd Charlotte breakdown and get Krylak, White, Gauld in those transition moments. Um, because, you know, we saw against Tigris the odd moment where they they managed to create these five on threes, um, these four on twos. It looks really, really dangerous. It looks like they could score a lot of goals. It's just, uh, you know, other teams are going to prepare for that. So there's a question of, uh, you know, when Vancouver throws a jab and and it gets blocked, okay, well, how do they adjust? And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good tactical matchup. Maybe not, um, you know, might be a little more nuanced than uh, just two teams throwing haymakers at each other, but I I think it should be a, a fun one to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, be interested to see how organized Charlotte are off the ball. I'd expect a lot of that and that 4-2-3-1 turning into a 4-4-2 off the ball, especially because it's a bit forgotten in this. They've dealt with some decent injuries as well. Just looking through the injury report here, Ben Bender remains out long-term with the knee injury. He was phenomenal to watch as a rookie of the year candidate last year. Brendan Cambridge, former Vancouver Whitecap, uh, he's got a bit of a long-term ankle injury, which is too bad. I would have loved to see him play against his old club, a Canadian men's national team eligible for those curious and definitely on the radar with some of his performances last year for the first team, you know, Brand Bronico is a veteran, uh, you know, of MLS someone they definitely could have looked at as well as Bill Taloma, you know, the former Timbers defender, I want to say So as well. They're definitely missing some, some core pieces as well with injury. So definitely this, this Charlotte side is going to be a bit more pragmatic than perhaps they'd also like to, uh, in, in all circumstances, but that's also just recognizing your strengths, right? Because looking at this team last year, barely made the playoff, but they had a minus 12 expected goal difference. They struggled to generate offense and they were leaking, uh, you know, chances defensively. So I think that's also, you know, one of the big priorities of a Dean Smith coming in, bringing in a manager like that. You want to start with the structure defensively. And based on some of the names they have in attack, like you have to imagine when, Bender and Cambridge and everyone is healthy. They sign this potential Uruguayan, like you mentioned. Some of these U22 wingers find their feet. The Charlotte team should should have some goals in them, so they'll look to 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 get the confidence of a week one win and try to get a you know surprise uh, the the Whitecaps here. And I wouldn't uh, you know wouldn't be surprised to see them try to really push and transition to to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're gonna do a little. I like to always have a bit of a look back here, especially with the Eastern Conference opponents. So the last time and the only time in MLS these two teams met, May 22nd, 2022. It's an interesting one. It's a bit of a wacky one in Whitecaps lore. Well, I was going to say this. In particular, when you think of who started at striker and who started in goal for the Vancouver Whitecaps down in Charlotte. I got up, you on this one. Up front. <laughs> To St. Ricketts, in goal, Max Anker. Uh, something that was never repeated or tried again. Uh, but so, uh, you know, that was when Vancouver was in the midst of the kind of the goalkeeping drought that 2022 season where, you know, they they really struggled to find any consistency. And uh, yeah, two goals scored inside the opening 10 minutes in that one. Toss in the second minute. Uh, Shinoshiki in the eighth and then had to wait all the way till the 85th minute for a Daniel Rios winner for Charlotte. So, uh, you know, needless to say, things have come a long way for the Whitecaps since then. You had a Seb Berhalter and Leo Urusu double pivot in the midfield. <laughs> Dahomey and Godinho on the wings and then Caicedo and Gauld underneath toss Ricketts. So, uh, yeah, look things at that are... back three too. You got Javane Brown and Florian Youngworth flanking Ranko Veselinovic too in that back three. Yeah, uh, you know, need, needless to say, things have changed a little bit since then. Uh, that was under Vanny Sartini, obviously, uh, so that has has not changed. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting an interesting oh, blast wait. from the past. Well, I'll say I have a few notes on that game. I was. Not surprised. I was I was I was ready to guess Ricketts and an anchor just because I was like I could never forget this Charlotte game because of how rare the anchor start was. Like it was just like the injury crisis. So I think that's uh, that that was one where 
definitely hard hard one to forget. Fun fact, backup goalkeeper that day, Nico Giantsopoulos on his four-day loan from York where he had the wild weekend where he played uh what was it? He, like he played with York on the Friday against Pacific on the island. York had to stay for like four days because they played Pacific on the Tuesday in the Canadian Championship. So there was no reason for them to go from Vancouver Island back to York just to go back to Vancouver Island. Meanwhile, Whitecaps need a goalie. They call York, can we borrow Giant Sopolis for a weekend? He heads all the way down there, backs up. He was almost considered to start, goes back and then helped York beat Pacific in the penalty shootout. He ended up, then, of course, they end up playing Whitecaps. So I thought that was also a bit uh, fun. And also, just a quick note as well. Can we talk about the subs from that game? Christian Gutierrez, uh, rare sighting for him in a white cap shirt, came off the bench. Ryan Raposo, back in his third sub of the year days, getting a cameo off the bench. Russell Tybert and one Michael Baldissimo, while Luis Martins and Mateo Campagna were two of the unused subs on the day. So I think... Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun uh, trivia in that in this game to to note from that. Yeah, I guess really if you look at who might start this weekend, it's it's Gald, it's Veselinovic, it's Brown, um, it's Raposo and Martins. So it's five players returning who we could see in this game. Everyone else was all these the likes of White and Kubas and all these players were either injured or whatnot. So wild. Certainly, I think we hope that this match against Charlotte is more memorable for the football itself and the victory than it is for the quirkiness of the lineup. Uh, that was just a, a prototypical, like random Eastern conference opponent. You only see once every couple of years and you just throw the lineup in the blender and see what happens. Obviously injuries and some other stuff during that campaign uh, affected that, but uh, it's just, yeah, too much fun, uh, too quirky of a lineup to not go back and have a look at. I mean, Alex, we already talked about our projected lineup. I mean, you said the projected lineup. I don't have any notes on that. I- I'm thinking the exact same thing as you with with Martins getting the start in a wide role. Krylak, I think, again, based on the fact that you're probably not expecting Charlotte to overwhelm you with possession. You don't necessarily need pico to stress guys 1v1 at least not until later in the match so and it seems like they've been playing Krylak a lot during the preseason his legs seem good to go um that that makes a lot of sense um so we'll just have to see i mean i'm excited one thing i would say is that that kubas and vite midfield combination really got me intrigued when we saw it a little bit against tigris just the idea of Vite in a slightly different role. Can he take this big step forward? Uh, I think that's like a, a huge storyline for the season, but also just going into match day one is okay. If we get Vite and Kubas in the midfield, how do those two look together against MLS competition? That's maybe like one of the top things I'm watching out for in this one. Yeah, definitely. I think seeing can V because Vite feels like he's going to be huge too for these games where you're breaking down those lower blocks. Can he get the ball to Gold? Can he progress? Can he, but, but can he also be a transitional stopper defensively and show some of those newfound defensive chops? Cause you know, Kuba is going to do those things. So I definitely expect a lot from them. And yeah, I think this is a big game for Krylak, like, especially if he starts in the, in the first MLS game of the year, can he, you know, get an assist or get a goal or just, you know, help create help show that quality that's that that's there and show that he can be a weapon to to use in certain games where you're playing lower blocks to to bring that extra ounce of you know that that sometimes which was lacking for the white caps sometimes in these games where teams would just set up shop against them they would struggle to break them down because it would just kind of be like pass to golden vite and let them do everything which for opponents it's easy to mark whereas now you can get vite gold Krylak all combining white in that mix Get some good overlapping runs. Hopefully that's uh, what you need to break down these sorts of rigid systems. So I definitely would keep an eye on, on you know, if, if you're going to highlight Vita, I would definitely highlight Krylak as someone to watch uh, based on how this game might play out. Yeah, I think you're you're totally correct about Krylak, especially in the sense that something we noted during the end of last season and in the playoffs was that as good as Brian White and Ryan Gold were in their chemistry, their, you know, kind of tiki-taka back and forth or their their dynamic transition play. Good teams really keyed in on that. 
And primarily, I think, trying to deny Brian White those hold-up opportunities that then sprung give-and-goes. Um, that you know, If teams had physical center backs that could handle it, they were marking White really, really tight and, and sacrificing themselves in other areas, creating holes to try to shut that down. And the Whitecaps didn't have anyone who could consistently punish that when other teams did it. The potential is there. If you give Krylak space, he will shoot from outside the box. He'll make a dangerous pass. He'll take what you give him. The Whitecaps didn't have someone quite like that last season. So I think that's that's something that's crucial. Is you know Even if White and Gold, if their numbers take a step back, but that's because teams are keying in on them and it opens up room for Krylak, it opens up room for Vite and Ahmed to get involved in the attack. Um, it opens up room for, you know, Fafa Pico off the bench to to have an impact. Levante Johnson, if he's going to play some minutes up front, um, I just that's something to watch for. I think the way that teams played, the star attacking players for Vancouver, and then what Vanny Sartini can do with a couple of his new additions to respond to uh, the way other teams play them. Yeah, and I think lastly, you hope for a good showing from the bench, right? This could be a good game for Levante Johnson, come off the bench, Ali Ahmed to, to get his fitness back and really control the game. Because that's, again, feels like the Whitecaps, they've done well to build up some good attacking depth options, right? You're going to Pico as well, you can throw into that mix, of course, can't forget him. Um, you know, having all those those options to turn to uh, to, to, to help it can only, you know, be a bonus uh, depending on how the game goes or who knows, maybe you're able to short things up with a burr halter in the middle of the park. Like there's good flexibility there that, uh, that, that can, can be leaned on. But uh, yeah, I think overall, I think done well to set up what should be, you know, intriguing West first East, you know, opening day clash uh, 4 30 PM at BC place on Saturday I guess lastly, but on the note of this Charlotte FC game, that leaves one important thing. Shall we dive into some predictions for the first time in MLS play after uh, our Champions Cup endeavors? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off then, I guess. I'm, I'm going kind of bland here, but I think in a positive way. We're going 2-1 Vancouver Whitecaps FC. I, I, I think maybe... Charlotte manages to get one, you know, they're, they're whipping crosses into the box. Uh, they, they might be able to find something there. I mean, I, I was impressed with the Whitecaps' defensive play against Tigris. Obviously, you know, things broke down late a little bit, but I shouldn't read too much into that. They did look improved, uh, but maybe Charlotte's able to squeak one in. I'm going to say Vancouver goes up 2-0, and then maybe Charlotte's able to get one back in the late stages. But I do think this is something where um, – the Whitecaps should be able to handle this match, maybe bump the slump a little bit in terms of the opening day. Uh, I feel like there's a different feeling to this team uh, heading into this season. I, I don't anticipate a super slow start. Maybe they're not out of the gates, you know, 4-1-1 one, and one or something like that, but at least a solid start. I, I don't think they're going to come sputtering out of the gate and no better way to do it uh, than, you know, to secure three points on, I want to say opening day. It's kind of weird. It's, you know, Vancouver Whitecaps opening day, but not match day one of the regular season. No, I definitely agree with you. I've been humming and on over this. I think my gut says 3-0, but I'm going to go for 1-0 just because I feel like it's too hot to say the Whitecaps break this opening day streak with a big 3-0 win. They certainly gonna... could. I could see if they get a goal early and they're feeling themselves, they could just break this match wide open. And then I could see that 3-0. But it's just, I don't know. I feel like I have some respect for Dean Smith, as your prediction sort of indicates, right? Just I don't know if that's going to happen where the match opens up like that. Yeah, so I think 1-0. I, I think that would be good if the Whitecaps won 1-0. Because I think as we saw last year, when the gates blew open, they knew how to win those games. Like, yeah, they blew the doors off Houston when they, what was it, like 6-2. They beat St. Louis like 3-0 in, in, in the fall. There are a few other home games. But really, like, other than that stretch where they were keeping clean sheets for fun, and I think of that Seattle 2 nothing win at home is probably their best, one of their best games of the season in that regard. There weren't enough times where they just knuckles down, team was grinding them out, 
they were able to get it over the hump with the one nil win. I think those sorts of character one nil wins where it's, you know, a bit of a dogfight. Maybe you should win by more. Yes. But you just get the job done. Maybe it's an 80th minute winner. Those are the kind of games that win you titles. Those are the kind of performances that win you, you know, silverware over the course of a year. Cause you grind out a three when it would easily, easily could be a one or even a zero. If everything goes wrong, I'd like to see them go out and grind a one nil with against a stingy, you know, frustrating Charlotte side that, uh, that will want to come in and, and, you know, be set up to, to, to go after the white cap. So I'll say one, nothing, even though it definitely feels like there's more goals than that in the game. It definitely, uh, just hearing you talk about that, it feels like a bit of a champagne problem that at least we've evolved to the point with this Vancouver white cap squad where it's like, Oh yeah, well they, they win in exciting fashion, but we also would like them to win games in that, that greasy grinded out fashion. But your point is a very valuable one because yeah, they won those shootouts. They won those entertaining matchups last season, but sometimes I think often with the white caps, when it got a little testy, a little grimy, it ended up being a draw rather than all three points. And, and you'd like to see them eke out a couple more of those results. Again, if you're trying to take the step from fifth, sixth in the West up to second, third, wherever that might be, that's something that, they should look to add to the repertoire. Obviously, they're looking to, but uh, it's it's easier said than done. So both of us reasonably confident that the Whitecaps could come out with a victory, but how will they go about it? It's an interesting question. Well, I'm just just to throw, the, throw it out there while we're on the subject. Some of these games I'm looking back from last year. 2-1 against RSL in the opener. They lost. That's definitely one where they it was and close. They, they really were the better team on the day in, in that matchup. 100%. Another one. March 11th, Whitecaps 1, FC Dallas 1 at home. Has to be a game where you find a way to grind, grind one out. Uh, some more ones. I'm only picking home games here, too. I kind of have a feel down the road with all the draws I'm seeing. Whitecaps, uh, this one's April 29th. Whitecaps nil, Colorado Rapids nil. That, that was, was the one that where was brutal. I Takoka that. saved their their bacon too with this penalty save, but that was one where you, you that's a that has to be a one nil, right? A two nil written all over it. So definitely that one. A pair of games in June that really stand out. I, I remember these ones. This was the Ryan Gall's penalty phase. It was June third. Whitecaps one, SKC one. They were all over SKC that game. Just couldn't get anything. And then another one, Whitecaps of June 10th against the Supporter Shield winners eventually. Whitecaps won, FC Cincinnati won. They had Cincinnati right where they want them. Lucho Acosta came off the bench, one moment of magic, and it put the Whitecaps from look like they should win the game to just scrape out a draw. Uh, and then going down the list, uh, you know, again, September 30th, Whitecaps 2, DC United 2 at home. Again, one where it's just, a, that was the one where Tristan Blackman made that huge rare mistake Uh on, on the opening goal for it, it was Cudi Pietro. Uh, and then, heck, even you, you go to the last game of the season, Whitecaps won, LAFC won October 21st. Definitely could have got more out of that. So, yeah, that's that's a handful of games where you got one point, yeah, but, God, you turned three or four of those into three points. That's six to eight extra points. And you don't, have, you don't need me to remind how tight the, the table is. That's already enough to push them into top three, I think it would have. So, just again, it shows you how important it is to – turn some of those potential nil-nil 1-1 games into three points at the end of the day. And that's where little things like set-piece defending, just general like consistency of the defensive performances, even like streaky scoring, you know, a Brian White taking a couple matches to get up to speed last season. Just those little things around the margins um, that held the Whitecaps back a little bit last season. Uh, so that's something for, I think for us to track, Alex, is a specifically at home, because that's like really where on the road you grind out a draw. I don't think you're ever too angry about that. But at home, when you're you're turning wins into draws, you know, you're stat you're snatching a draw from the hands of victory, as it were. Uh, that Those are the ones you want to avoid, I, you know, particularly like that. That Colorado Rapids. No, no. Um, you know, the stuff like that, that really needs to be avoided at all costs or, you know, sporting Kansas city, the, that was one, one, right? Like the way that SKC was playing at the time, that's just, those are ones you want back for sure. Yeah. And then the thing is, I, I, I have more free. I'll just throw the last few more. I, I, Cause I just looked at the draws, some other ones, July 8th, 
Vancouver Whitecaps two, Seattle Sounders three. That one was the Leo Chu brace game. And those are two again, two late goals, I think, right for Seattle. Well, is it Chu? It was Whitecaps went up one nil. They were in control. Beautiful performance. Chu scores. They tie it up. Okay. Gold scores seventy second minute two one. That's where it's game over, right? Nope. Chu scores four minutes later seventy six. Yamar scores ninety first. Laborda got the the questionable second second yellow. I think it was. That was one again. The Whitecaps should should have won, let alone draw. And then uh, another one here to round off uh, home defeats and draws to forget. This one just makes me laugh because it was the Richie Larea Sam Etikubi debut. Whitecaps zero, San Jose one, August twentieth. They <laughs> they just could not score that. I don't, felt like they could have played that game for three hundred sixty minutes, and they maybe would have gotten one if uh, in the fourth game. Because they were, it was just not going for them that day. And Christian Espinosa, who I put in my MLS best eleven uh, at the end of the year for a reason, scored uh, the winning goal in the forty third minute. So then those two games as well, where those didn't even get one point, those were just straight up three dropped. Uh, quite funny to to look back at those matches. That's something where players like Acosta or players like your uh, Espinosa that's like the wins above replacement stat where those players just turn something and that's what you want. And, and you got a lot from, you got several times from Ryan Gold last season where you turn a bit of a dead match or a bit of a stalemate. All of a sudden you, the, those players flip it on their head. That's why if you're the Vancouver Whitecaps, you have to be a bit more ruthless at home, right? If you're dominating, you can't leave the other team in the match nil nil in the 85th minute because someone like an Acosta can, have a hit from outside the box. And next thing you know, you're walking away with nothing. So yeah, we'll see how they handle the opening match day. Does it, does it turn into that kind of match for the Whitecaps? Obviously they'd like to probably break it open, um, make it a match where chances are traded because I think they, they like their chances in that one. Certainly uh, the question remains, can they, can they grind it out if they have to? So uh, yeah, some uh, great stats from Alex. They are something to watch this season at home, especially. Yeah, no, I think it's it's massive because, look, uh, you know, this Whitecaps team should be dominant at home. They were the year before. Last year, they kind of slipped to, like, still above average but not dominant. And it's always going to be tough on the road because Vancouver naturally is always going to have tough road schedule. Of course, they should be better than they, they were at times over the last few years, but they showed last year they can be decent on the road. They can still take another step forward, but yeah, yeah, you have to take your points at home, especially because a lot of teams travel a lot to get to you. You have, you know, you, for better or for worse, your turf isn't the greatest, so at least that's an advantage. This field's a bit bigger. Like use use those things. You got to get some of these wins on the board. So definitely something to watch. But I guess on that note, of course, again, a huge game this weekend. Not the only game in MLS action, but of course, as we mentioned last week, it was a busy MLS match day. It was what all uh, 28 out of 29 teams were in action. You can guess which one wasn't, as we lamented last week. Such a weird schedule. Like the fact that you're looking at teams like RSL and Miami already having two. Like, like again, how hard would it have been to give the Whitecaps the RSL game on this weekend and give RSL a rest after having to play in Miami on midweek? And, you know, it's just, yeah, such a weird scheduling quirk. Either way, it feels like this could be an advantage for the Whitecaps. But it was a busy week of MLS action. Uh, lots to, to to take away. I mean, you know, of course, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you look at Columbus Crew beginning their their title defense or the MLS Cup defense with the win. You talk about Charlotte's win, some entertaining games between L.A. and Seattle and Philadelphia, Chicago. Lots of, you know, Portland coming out the gates flying. We now have a new segment uh, on our preview episodes where we're just going to look around MLS, you know, our five or ten so minutes. We're not going to be breaking down uh, what I saw from Phil Neville's new tactics with Portland Timbers, but... We're just going to keep an eye on what's going on around the leagues. It is relevant to to, to to talk about from the Whitecaps perspective, keeping an eye on which individuals, which teams are kind of in good form, uh, as well as, you know, Sam and I were very lucky, very privileged to be able to vote every week for our players of the week in MLS. Uh, so this is a bit of a segment for us to, to kind of, you know, just talk about who we who we voted for, how, how that went. And, you know, as well, I'm a big MLS fantasy guy. I took a break last year, but I'm back this year. 
Like I got 83 points this week and I didn't captain Messi. So I think that's, I did pretty all right for, for myself considering I made that uh, hipster decision not to do that. But yes, welcome to around MLS in five to 10, uh, you know, and then Sam, I'll let you kick it off for, for this week's uh, what was an MLS. In very third sub fashion, the, the time restrictions are very loose. So uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to keep it reasonably condensed, but it's just a good, I still find even in the year 2024, getting like a good summary of what's going on around the league in like a condensed format can, can be rather challenging at times. So uh, specifically for those out there, obviously following the Whitecaps, just want to give you a sense of what we saw going on around the league. I mean, I'll kick it off with, I think the big story for me of match day one was the Portland Timbers blowing out the new look Colorado Rapids. Obviously you got Mihailovic, Sam Vine, Zach Steffen, you know, there's all the flashy signings for the Rapids. They're trying to rebuild the culture there and boy, did it not get off to a very good start Portland at home. Obviously that's a tough environment, but they were all over the Rapids early. Uh, Anthony with two goals, uh, couple a tremendous hit on one of them he was my player of the week I mean I know Benteke had the hat trick but it was there was a red card he you know Benteke is dominant but he's a bit of an aerial merchant I just thought Anthony's performance for a match week one really stood out especially given uh, you know I think Portland's a bit of a wild card team this season like you don't necessarily know what you're going to expect I don't think they're a shoe in for a playoff spot but they're certainly dangerous and shout out to uh, McGraw, Kamal Miller, James Pantemis getting the start. So three Canadians in the core of that back line. Uh, you know, uh, Portland could be interesting. I know, I know I'm not supposed to speak favorably about a Cascadian rival on what is a Vancouver Whitecaps podcast. But yeah, I think that was like top storyline for me uh, in, in the sort of hipster underrated fashion. You know, if we're not, we're going to leave the messy discussion for another day but <laughs> yeah, at, least, I, at least from my perspective yeah i purposely left the inner miami scores out of my opener i was like yeah the columbus crew <laughs> i was very close to just joking because yes that's what is it we don't talk about uh, the other teams in the league enough everyone just wants to talk about Messi, right that's what uh that's what Don Garber's been uh, been throwing go, out go to the mls main page if you want all your messy news it's there but yeah, this Portland one was interesting, you know, from a Canadian perspective. No Max Krepo. It sounded like he was dealing with a green card thing. So close to getting his green card, which is huge for him. Just, you know, he'll be counted as a domestic. Uh, you know, uh, only helps his, his stock within MLS. Pantemis steps in. And look, I think this Portland team, they could be they could be a decent contender for a playoff spot. I think they made a lot of the right moves. We kind of you know, heading into this year with the new coach, Phil Neville, we could talk about Phil Neville all we want in terms of his actual coaching. From what it sounds like, I heard he left quite the impression on the Canadian men's national team, like just in terms of his likability, his personality. And, you know, that helped him recruit the likes of, you know, a Crepo, a Pantemis, trade for a Miller. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes in some teams, sometimes you just need a bit more vibes than tactics. Unfortunately, I think his Miami team's, with the way they were constructed needed a bit more tactics. But what I like is looking at this, this Portland team. Well, from his perspective, now you've got a spine of Miller McGraw. That's going to be one of the best center back pairings in MLS. Crepo, one of the best goalkeepers, huge Diego Charles still plays like he's 22. That's a huge spine piece. We got Williamson finally back and healthy, which is again, great to see. Cause I feel like he's one of the, the likable midfielders in, in MLS, just the way he plays and all the injuries he's dealt with. You then have game breakers like Moreno on the wing. Anthony comes in with the brace. Aspria still doing his thing. There's still a few other names in the mix. Evander didn't even play. Of course, you know how dangerous he can be. Uh, there's also some create creativity up front. Like I do wonder if you know they they, they could have gotten the number nine. But as we've heard, it's been reported, it sounds like they're getting a DP number nine. So I think they get that. Like they're gonna really have all the pieces there. And as long as Phil Neville doesn't do anything too foolish with this team there's definitely contention to push for a playoff spot uh, over in Portland. So definitely one to watch. As for Colorado, I mean, we'll have to see how they go from here. It was a road game. They're still getting up to speed with their new signings. But, I'm man, I bet you there's a few TFC and Red Bull fans seeing uh, Chris Armas on the sideline for a scoreline like that and just kind of smirking a bit. 
Yeah, so that was something that came to mind for sure. All like the the photos and the memes of him on the Man United bench with like the AirPods or the Leeds bench. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm sure some TFC people were reveling in that on match day one. Other things to me that stood out. I mean, I took in and enjoyed a that LAFC Seattle Sounders match. And man, I again, this is I guess I'm on the sympathy train or the positivity train for cascadia teams but i felt bad for seattle in this one they played really well but lafc is so freaking ruthless like you give them an inch and they punish you uh you know felt like everything was going okay for seattle down on the road in california lafc scores right before the half they get another one Ultimately, you know, the Sounders are able to battle back into it. They Pedro de la Vega on debut off the bench, scores a penalty, makes it interesting at the end. Uh, but yeah, I think a reminder that LAFC is still very much for real. Seattle looks good. They're going to be a strong team this season as well. Uh, Alex, to me, those two look like, you know, top, top contenders in the West. Yeah, I think I said it. I think right now, heading in this year, it's the LA and it's, it's Seattle at the top of the West. Heavyweight battle that was, the the way they're just slugging it out. Some of the goals, like Matthias Bogus's winner, was just phenomenal the way he struck that. Like, it's going to be a good battle. But yeah, I think it's nice to know for the Whitecaps, it's wide open after them. You kind of saw it this weekend with some of the results in the West. Uh, like you, 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 you look across the board, Minnesota grabbed a late winner over austin again i'm not too sold on austin so not surprised but i feel like minnesota they had a good roster they just needed a coach they have a coach now minnesota looked good it's hard to tell because maybe austin's not very good but that was another western conference team that i think impressed on match day one yeah and like look you look rsl and st louis tied you know of course st louis dealing with champions cup in midweek houston and skc tied uh, of course, Houston also dealing with Champions Cup. Dallas ends up snapping a win over San Jose. I think Dallas and San Jose could be two teams very much in the mix. Of course, Houston should be in that mix as well for top five. Uh, SKC, like there, there's going to be, it's really going to be a dogfight because yeah, I'm looking at all these teams: Minnesota, Portland, uh, Houston, uh, RSL. Again, St. Louis will have to see just because of their advanced numbers, but heck, they you know they still show that they have a bit of magic in them. Uh, FC Dallas, San Jose, those are all teams that are that should be really competitive for that top five spot. So it's going to leave things wide open. Heck, the LA Galaxy didn't look half bad against uh, Inter-Miami. They just couldn't convert their chances and got a very, very unlucky red card there. For me, I just two other games I kind of got to dive into. I want more on the Eastern side to not forget uh, the those on the East, although as the joke always goes in the NHL, oh, never, no one ever watches the West Coast. It's only the East feels like an MLS sometimes, at least maybe in our bubble, we forget about the the East. I, I tucked in the Atlanta Columbus, the opener, just to see, you know, a couple of Canadians and Mo Farsi and Jason Russell Rowe starting for Columbus. Columbus, they look good, man. They just, they they play such beautiful soccer. Like the, the fact they have Diego Rossi, Cucho Hernandez, uh, you know, in that front line, like Nagby and Morris might be one of the best pairings in the league in the midfield. They were just all over Atlanta. Atlanta had good moments too. Like they still have Thiago Almada. Giacomakis was dangerous, but it was just Columbus were so suffocating. So I think that was interesting to see that, oh yeah, this Columbus team, they might be a shield winner this year, genuinely. Like if Na- the way Nazi has them ticking over there, I was very excited with that. The other game I watched, a bit of a boring one. I watched a lot of nil-nils this weekend. Bad luck. It was Nashville, New York Red Bulls. Nashville playing a very shorthanded lineup because they had Champions Cup in midweek. Uh, so they'll be happy with the nil-nil draw. But from from Red Bull's uh, standpoint, Eric For- or Emil Forsberg, sorry, made his debut uh, at left wing. And he was very lively, had some good chances. Um, you know, I definitely think he'll, he could be someone to, to watch there. Because it's been a while since the Red Bulls have had a, a legit star uh, that, you know, that's come in with that sort of pedigree. That feels really old school Red Bulls. Recently, it's been get the young kids in, get them Playing. I'm, I'm very curious to see what a Forsberg uh, can do with what otherwise is a very young and, and, and solid uh, Red Bulls team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so looking ahead just quickly to this week, it's a bit mixed up because, you know, like the Vancouver Whitecaps, there's a lot of East-West matchups. So maybe less in terms of like the tasty rivalry matchups, but just a couple ones I'll be watching out for. Real Salt Lake against LAFC, Ken Salt Lake, 
steady the ship after what has been kind of a shaky first couple matches They you know, they had the Miami opener and then uh, did manage to get a draw most recently. That was against, yeah, St. Louis, which was, that was a bit of a cagey one um, for RSL. So that's something I'm watching out for. Then if we're going to give the Eastern Conference some love, I think enter Miami, Orlando City. Orlando City looks like a bomb threat. They're really dangerous. I love the way they play football. Um, I'm going to try to tune into Orlando City when I can. Um, and so, okay, yes, it's it's enter Miami. Obviously, that's a little bit tasty. Um, beyond that, really, I mean, okay, you watch out for uh, the two Canadian Eastern Conference teams. I think both those matchups have at least some intrigue, Montreal FC Dallas and uh, New England against Toronto. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's not a, you know, there's lots of good matchups in MLS this week, but uh, but I don't know if there's one in particular that I'm just kind of rubbing my palms over. can't wait to watch. There were a couple in week one, certainly, that fell a little more into that category. Yeah, just to throw a few others. From a Canadian perspective, I always got to shout out our Canadians. Minnesota-Columbus looks like the game to watch this week. You got Dane Sinclair and Tanny Alawasi on Minnesota. You got Mo Farsi, Jason Russell Rowe on Columbus. Although Mo Farsi might be unavailable, he came off with a pretty rough looking ankle injury in the opener after he had a good game. We'll see how his recovery looks. But of course, you got Canadian passport holder Wilfred Nancy behind the bench. Otherwise, some other games that stood out. And Colorado Nashville is a sleeper uh, just because Colorado at home against the Nashville team that played in midweek. This is going to be a real test for this Colorado team that a lot of people are speaking highly of after their signings. This is the sort of game you need to to win to get three points on the board against a tired Nashville side. Champions Cup takes a lot out of teams. Uh, and then, you know, other other than that, two other matchups just to, to round it off. San Jose LA Galaxy. It's the Cla- Cali Classico. I think they're saying something like this is the 99th Cali Classico. It's pretty cool that, you know, that sort of history is there. We forget that all the time with El Trafico and all that. Can't forget a good Cali Classico between two good teams. San Jose is good this year. LA looks like they can be good as well. And lastly, Portland hosts DC United. I think that's an important one because Portland blew the doors off Colorado this weekend. It's Canadian connections. But we can get to this as well. Player of the week from DC United, Christian Benteke scored a hat trick for in their opening game so the fact that they will travel now to play a portland team that came out of the gates flying dc will look to build off of a 3-1 win over new england so that 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 could be a tasty one on a saturday night all right well that gets you primed for the week ahead in mls action you know not just the vancouver whitecaps against charlotte but everything that mls will have to offer I mean, Alex, any final thoughts on the Whitecaps matchup this upcoming weekend? Uh, just parting words here before we sign off. Yeah, no, I think, again, we pretty much covered it. I think this, again, hopefully can get off a good start, get get some good momentum in front of the fans, too. I think if it's a big crowd, it would be nice to get a win, get some goals. Because we kind of said it last year, there's just been this history of whenever it feels like there's record crowds or big crowds, the Whitecaps can be a bit timid on the occasion. I think a nice commanding win uh, would be huge and yeah and, and there's multiple opportunities this season because the messy effect those match packs there's going to be several of these matches with bigger crowds so this is a huge opportunity can the white caps flip the script a little bit on that history i think it would you know it, it's a tough ask but it would be massive if they're able to do so so yeah i'd say that's pretty much uh, it otherwise yeah enjoy enjoy the white caps game if you're heading out enjoy it on telly if you're not Enjoy all the football that will be on display. You got some Women's Gold Cup, Canada into the quarterfinals of that tournament. Potential for a Canada-US semifinal next week. Lots to watch out for there. And, of course, a lot of MLS. So for those who do fantasy like me, uh, best of luck with your your teams uh, this week. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how things shape up, especially with the Whitecaps now finally in the mix. Uh, you know, as they head into, what is it now, like year 12, year 13, uh, in their MLS era, and it feels like this may be one of the most important yet. But on that note, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Gongeruzic, uh, on and on, I'll remember this time, Blue Sky at Alex Gongeruzic. Meanwhile, you can find me on Threads and Instagram at AGR on the case, doing my best to keep up with all the social shenanigans. But I am definitely keeping up with everything Canadian soccer on there. So definitely. 
that's where you can find me chatting about as much Canadian soccer as possible. And of course, don't forget to check out the podcast, you know, on Twitter at third sub pods where we're posting them, uh, you know, make sure to check them out on our website. And if you do listen on Apple or Spotify or any of the other platforms that do offer a review option and you've enjoyed, do feel free to, to, to drop, you know, a rating, a comment definitely means a lot. And we appreciate uh, the great uptick and support we've seen from everyone heading into this new season, which makes us very excited because it's obviously a big season ahead. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your support. And uh, yeah, all that good stuff, you know, subscribe, leave a like, leave a review, just get involved, you know, ask us a question on Twitter. If you have something you'd like us to talk about on the pod, you know, same goes for at the third sub.ca, get involved in the discussion. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can find me as always at Samuel underscore Robo on Twitter at the third sub.ca. We'll have pre and post-match content as per usual guest is starting 11 is back for another season so if you you want to try your hand at lineup predictions and, and predicting the match scores and results as well check that out uh we run it all season long it's a it's a ton of fun to get involved in and uh yeah just first and foremost i mean enjoy the match this weekend everyone and we'll chat again soon